uh, it is it is really really sweet to be to be worshiping together. I I know that uh, it's sweet even as we are all longing. I know that you are longing just like I am for the time when we can be together in person and we can uh, hear each other's voices and and embrace each other. Uh, and I know that life on campus feels really precarious. I'm just realized that you guys haven't had a week of class yet that was like the week before in terms of what life is like in terms of COVID restrictions. And that's that's disorienting and that's scary. And now we now we know we have COVID on our campus and we, we don't know what's next, right? We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And I just want to remind you what James has been reminding us all semester, that God leads us into times of trials and he does it to test our faith, but he does it because he wants to do big things in your life. He's actually at work in and through you. Even now, he's not going to stop. That was the same at the beginning of the semester. It's the same today. It's going to be the same in, in the next days and weeks and months to come, whatever happens. We are going to continue in the book of James. And uh, I've been really encouraged by our, our time in James. We finished up last week where James told us to be uh, doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. That God's word, his law, his, his will and his ways is not just something that we that we glance at, that we acknowledge, that we can point to, but it's something that we gaze at in such a way that it transforms us with the experience of God's love and also empowers us to live a life of love within this community. And so he just finishes telling us that that, that true religion that follows him and honors him is the kind of religion that values and cares for the lowly. He says, visit and care for orphans and widows, those amongst you who are the most vulnerable a life empowered by the love and ways of God will elevate them and care for them. And, and so immediately after that, uh, that moment, now he turns to, and as we been, begin James 2, uh, a warning about the ways that sin can disrupt and, and devastate that community. And, and the sin that he points out is the sin of partiality. The sin of partiality. And this is a sin that has for thousands of years been an issue in the church. This is a sin, the sin of partiality that's been an issue in the church to this day. It's a sin that's an issue in the RUF community. It's a sin that's an issue in my heart. And so uh, as we look at this, we're going to have to take a hard look at the way this, this plays out in our lives. And, and one of the things that this is going to lead us to is to have to acknowledge the way that partiality leads to racism and the ways that that impacts our lives and our community as well. So with that in mind, uh, as just a small part of what we're going to do tonight, let's look at James 2, verses 1 to 13, which is on the screen in front of you. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you, the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin 
and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do commit adultery but do, if you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is God's word to you tonight. It's absolutely true, and he gives it to you because he loves you. Pray with me, and then we'll continue on. Lord, thank you for the gift of this time. I'm grateful for the hard work that goes into setting this up. I'm grateful for friends tuned in tonight who have set aside this time and laid their work aside uh, in order to attend to you. And, Lord, we want to attend to you, and we need you. And I pray that you would send your spirit to be at work through your word right now in our hearts that we might know you and love you more and love each other. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Many of you know that uh, my wife and I, Maggie, have four daughters, and one of the things that you uh, worry about all the time as a parent are the things that your kids are going to do in public, and in particular, the things that they might do or say to total strangers. Uh, About a year ago, when my my third daughter, Caroline, was was three years old, uh, she was with Maggie at the grocery store, and she was sitting in the little little seat in front of the the handlebars of the cart, and as Maggie... uh, pulled in to the line to check out her groceries. And there was a man in front checking out his groceries. And when he turned to the side to place his food on the conveyor belt, Caroline noticed that he had a, a black eye patch over one eye. And without hesitating, she shouts out in a voice loud enough for basically anyone in the area to hear, are you a pirate to this man? And, and it's sort of an obvious thing for, for her to ask. She's actually never seen anyone in real life who has uh, a patch on until that moment. The only person she knows who has a patch is Captain Hook, who she knows all about from one of my kids' favorite shows, Jake and the Neverland Pirates, which is actually a really good show. Um, But what Caroline was doing, it was she was was treating this man, thinking about him and treating him in a particular way because of his outward appearance. And, And that's really what James is talking about when he says partiality. It's actually a brand of favoritism that thinks about and treats some people better than others because of outward appearance, because of worldly reasons, instead of looking at the heart. And according to James, this, this kind of attitude and behavior is, is really common in our hearts. He singles it out here. And not only is it common in our hearts, but it, it's devastating to this community of love and justice that God calls us to and that he is at work Forming. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive into this passage and we're going to look at, at three things. We're going to look at the sin of partiality, we're going to look at the severity of partiality, and then we're going to look at the salvation from partiality. Okay, so first, this, the sin of partiality. Here's how, here's how James describes it. He gives an illustration of, uh, he, he uses the word assembly. It's some kind of dinner party probably, okay? And you've got people coming in and the host sees two people come in and one of them is a rich man and he's got gold rings on his finger and fine clothes and he leads him to the to the seat of honor at the head of the table. And then a, a poor man comes in in shabby clothes and he points to the corner and tells him he can sit in the corner. Or, or he tells him, actually, you can just, you can just sit at, at my own feet. It's the, it's the temptation to treat the rich among us, the popular among us, better than the poor and the lowly among us. But built into this reality is not just rich and poor, but is the temptation to treat worse than others those who we consider to be less than and lowly. 
And as we look at our hearts tonight, what I, what I hope that we'll see is that we're actually guilty of this in, in all kinds of ways. We're tempted, like James, to treat people a certain way because of how much money they had. And we sort of know about that, even if we don't know their bank accounts. We know by uh, maybe not all the, all the jewelry, but maybe we know by the brand of uh, you know, exercise leggings that they're wearing or the car that they drive or the, the pictures of the places that they're going in Instagram. We, we size people up by the Greek letters on their t-shirts or the lack thereof. We treat people better or worse because of how popular they are. We treat people for better or for worse because of how smart and successful they are. We, we treat people for better or for worse because of what summer internships they have. We treat people for better or for worse because their politics agree with our own or they don't. And I think here we also have to say that we treat people, we think about them and treat them for better or for worse because of the color of their skin at times. And if you're like me, when you, when you read a kind of passage like this about how we treat people, if you're like me, you get, you get pretty defensive. I read something like this and I say, you know, I, I, I see that this is out there, but I, you know, I'm one of the good guys. Like, I'm pretty nice to people. I don't call them names. I, I, don't, I don't treat people, you know, differently. But what, what James is getting at is not just an overt cruelty, but the reality that you favor some above others. So you may not say anything hateful about people in a certain Greek organization, but you're going to invite some other girls to your formal. You're going to include some people and exclude others. You're going to invite some and not invite others. There's these little ways, and James is saying that that's partiality. It's not just when you slam someone to their face, but the fact that you treat other people, the people who like the things that you like, the people who look like you, the people who encourage and praise you better than the people who make you uncomfortable is actually this sin of partiality. When George Floyd was killed on, on May 25th, it sparked nationally conversation and activism around racism, individual racism, systemic racism, institutional racism. And as that uh, unfolded in the end of May, early June, I was reading through James. And I came across James too, and I started to realize that I was the kind of person who judged others as racist in a way that I was not, but had never really taken a, an honest look in my own heart to think, are there ways, are there people who I think about and treat differently because of their outward appearance, because of the way they look, because of the color of their skin, because of the, the clothes that they wear? Am I guilty of that? And, and God is showing me that I'm actually guilty of that sin of partiality. He's showing me that I actually have that kind of partiality in my story. He's actually showing me that uh, the church of Jesus Christ has that kind of partiality. And he's actually showing me that RUF, this ministry that I'm charged to lead alongside you students, actually has that sin of partiality in it. And, and, and as I bring this stuff up, I, I want you to trust me, and I hope you do trust me, that my goal tonight is not actually to make you feel bad about yourself. It's not to make you feel guilty. It's not to make you feel judged. And, and, I, and I say that knowing that even using a word like racism in a Christian sermon is a trigger for all kinds of things. And it's hard to separate this from things like politics. But what James is doing as he talks about partiality and what I hope is going to happen tonight is, is instead a, a challenge to look at our own hearts. A challenge to ask ourselves uh, hard questions about where this kind of partiality exists, about where uh, the realities of treating people and thinking about them differently might be. 
And some of you are, are starting to do that. And others of you are the kind of people who are maybe more comfortable saying things like that you are a racist or that uh, you are confident that institutional racism exists, but we kind of don't know what to do next. And, and one of the things that, that the gospel calls us to, and, and I know not everyone's a Christian, and so we deal with these kind of issues in different ways, but the gospel of Jesus Christ calls us to look at ourselves before we look to others, to look to ourselves before we look to systems, and to bring our sin and our brokenness to Jesus in repentance. Whether it's because of race or some other kind of partiality based on appearance or social status, James calls us to fight against it. And, and here's why. He says this in verses 5 to 7. I'm going to read this one more time. He says, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the one who drags you into court? Are they not the, one, the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Those who we think of as lowly and poor, those who we think of as less than and unimportant and unpopular and undeserving, those are the people whom God has chosen to be rich in faith. And one of the reasons that partiality is a sin is, is because it's, it's a complete inversion of the kingdom of God and built into this kingdom and this, at the center of the gospel of Jesus is that the low are lifted up. That's why you read in the Bible that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That's why you hear Jesus say in Matthew 5, blessed are not the rich, but the poor in spirit. That's why you hear God say in Psalm 34 that he is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Our God is a God who cares about particularly those who are lowly. He cares about particularly those who have been oppressed. He cares particularly about those who have been wounded. He cares particularly about the vulnerable in our communities and outside of our communities. That is who God cares about. And so when we don't care about those things and those people the way that God does, we transgress against his ways. Now, uh, he, James goes on to say that you know, the oppression happening to these people, the people who are taking advantage of them, the people who are dragging them to court, the people who are blaspheming God, they're, they're the rich, not the poor, so don't pat them on the back. Now, his point is not that you know, everyone who's a bad sinner is wealthy and those who are not successful or who are more vulnerable are not sinners. That's not the point that he's making. He's saying God particularly cares for the vulnerable. And so should we. That's the sin of partiality. James now, he turns to the severity of, of partiality. And this is, this is really interesting because we do this funny thing. I, I do this, we all do this, where we consider some sins to be worse than others. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like there are some sins that are minor and some that are major. There are some that are little white sins, little, little white lies, and some that are major ones. And um, I think partiality seems pretty little to me. It seems pretty minor to me. Like, you know, especially if it's only in my own mind, I'm not really hurting anybody. And, and even if it comes out and I say something a little wrong or I don't invite someone to a party, I mean, it's not that big of a deal, right? And, and James says, um, it's a very big deal. It's a very big deal. And the first thing that he does is he reminds us of the summary of the law. It's verse 8. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is what God tells Moses in, in Leviticus 19. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 22 is 
uh, the summary of the law, the greatest commandment along with loving God our Father is to love our neighbor as ourself. And, and what James' argument here, it's kind of two-layered. For, the first thing he says is that if you commit the sin of partiality, you have transgressed the law. And if you transgress even one bit of God's law, even if you only transgress one part, which is wishful thinking, by the way, that you've transgressed all of it. It's sort of a line in the sand moment. We either comply with God's law perfectly or we fail to do so, right? And so a sin that you might consider minor is not minor because it's still a transgression of the law and will of the good, good Father who loves you and who made you and who saves you in Christ, okay? And, and then he takes it a step further, and he brings up two other commandments from the Ten Commandments. Uh, this is, you know, that God gives to Moses the stone tablets on the top of Mount Sinai in Exodus 20. One is you shall not commit murder, and one is you shall not commit adultery. And these are two sins that I think most of us would agree are more like the major sins. And he says that he makes the same comparison. If, if you only break one of these, you still transgress the law. He's saying, he's comparing partiality to murder and adultery. It means we should take this sin of partiality really seriously. It means that when we talk about things like racism, this isn't just some residual thing in our culture from our past in ways that we have outgrown that is kind of sticking around. No, it's, it's an egregious, severe transgression against the love and law of God who cares for us who lifts up the lowly, who cares for the brokenhearted, and those who have been oppressed, he longs for them to experience justice and healing and flourishing and fruitfulness. He wants us to know the severity and the egregiousness of the way that things like partiality and racism are an inversion of the kingdom of God. So uh, where where does this lead us to? Where does this leave us? This partiality is actually all over our hearts and our minds. It marks our relationships and our social experiences, and it's actually a really big deal. So where do we go from here? And so we'll finish with that James give us salvation from partiality. I'm going to read verses 12 and 13 again. He says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. There's there's two things that stand out to me here as we look at the end of this passage. Uh, The first is this renewed call to be doers of the word and not just hearers. It's one of those sort of themes of James. He's already said that at the end of chapter 1, be doers of the words. Now he says, don't just think about this sin of partiality and trying to promote justice and love. Say it and do it. So speak and so act. And he says, do it as those who are to be judged under the law of mercy. He says, the way to handle our own sinfulness in the area of partiality is actually to live a life of mercy to others. And James, and and the Bible talks about this, uh, Jesus talks about this too, that that for us to experience the mercy of God should have natural consequences in the way that we deal with our relationships with other people. So for those who treat others without mercy, it means you're not walking in the mercy of God. They are one-to-one. And the one thing that we do more than show partiality is judge other people for showing partiality. Do you know what I'm talking about? How, How much time and energy do we spend talking about and criticizing the way that other people are handling an issue like racism? instead of looking at our own hearts. James says, do you need mercy? Yes. 
you need mercy, and so you better treat other people with mercy. You need to treat them with mercy when other people talk about racism in a way that's, that's confusing or hurtful. You need to give each other mercy when, when you notice them using partiality in ways that they're not even aware of yet. You need to show people mercy when they ask questions that seem stupid to you. You need to show people mercy when they work up the courage to tell you that they're sorry for something. You need to treat people with mercy when their take on the complexities of social issues and justice and politics and race aren't exactly the same as yours. And we need to recognize our own temptation to to excuse or deny our own partiality, our own stereotypes. We do so many things to try and get out of acknowledging that we need mercy. That's the first thing that stands out. The second thing is the last line. It's it's a line of of hope and joy, which is is a great uh, gift from James because this is a really challenging passage, a really challenging and confronting and confounding teaching. And he ends this section by saying, mercy triumphs over judgment. And it reminds me of a song that we sang in our first large group. I don't know if you guys were on that call. Uh, The song is, uh, our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Now, no matter what you think about God, if you're a Christian or not a Christian, we, we all have ways of kind of dealing with or even denying the reality that we're not perfect, that we're messed up people, that we're broken people, that we're imperfect people, that uh, in the words uh, or in the, in the theme of James too, that we are in fact severe, egregious sinners. But if you are a Christian, I want to remind you that whenever God brings conviction, whenever he shows you the egregiousness of the darkness in your own heart, whenever he leads you to feel the weight of your sinfulness, he also leads you to his mercy, which is far greater, which is far weightier, which is far more powerful. He leads you to the cross of Christ where partiality was turned upside down where instead of someone lowly being mistreated, the king of glory subjected himself to suffering and to death so that you and me, broken and wretched, severe sinners that we are, might experience the fullness of the mercy and love and the life of Jesus. So James invites us to feel the weight of the sin of partiality But he also invites us to feel the far greater weight of the mercy of God, which he says triumphs over judgment. It's like Jesus' death triumphing over the powers of the world in Colossians. So however this is hitting you tonight, Jesus is inviting you to come openly to him. He's a safe place to come when you're messy. He's a safe place to come when you're broken. He's a safe place to come in the midst of your sin. He says, yes, your sins are many, but my mercy is more. My mercy triumphs over judgment. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we do come to you uh, as people who are messy. We do come to you who uh, are so good and merciful as people who are guilty of this transgression of the law of partiality. Lord, you know the way that we size people up. You know the way that we include and exclude. You know the ways that we distance ourselves from people who make us uncomfortable. You know the ways that we judge each other. And you know the ways that we long to be recipients of 
that good partiality to be seen as good enough by others. I pray that your mercy would be enough to triumph over that judgment in our own hearts. You promise that it is. Lord, give us grace to more and more openly acknowledge that to you and to each other. And I pray that you would bring healing in this area to our own hearts and to our community and to your world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.